the mountain goat. Flat and long, our feet are best designed to propel us off flat ground, away from an oncoming mastodon. To scale a crack in a vertical wall, your legs and feet have to be used in ways that aren't part of our evolutionary development. You pivot a knee out wide to one side, slide your toes into a crack in the rock face, and then twist and press down on the foot with all your body weight, mashing your toes hard into the crack and locking your foot into place. The bones of the foot are compressed and twisted, crushed to conform to the profile of the crack. The hands follow the same pattern, fingers, knuckles, a fist, all getting mashed and pivoted into the crack. The granite is unforgiving, and the hand placements need to be precise. If a hand slides against the rough granite, the rock flays off a layer of skin like a potato peeler. Twist, crush, repeat. That is the methodical technique that propels a climber up the crack in a vertical rock face. If at some point the crack thins out, too narrow to mash in a foot, then the climber searches for options, balancing on features and contours often no thicker than a nickel, or smearing the rubber of the climbing shoe on the rock, hoping that friction alone is sufficient to stay pinned in place. If all else fails, climbers come back down and look for a new route. But now they face another evolutionary disadvantage. Our eyes are well-placed when we're climbing up, since we have good visibility of our foot and hand placements. In down-climbing, the view's obscured, the balance less assured, the toe sweeps the air searching for the placement. So the granite monolith of El Cap was unyielding, and the requirements for scaling it were inhuman. The climber who would be the first to conquer it would have steady nerves, astounding patience, and a body fully adapted to scaling the vertical world. Warren Harding, the climber who first scaled El Cap, was an inspiration to me. I was 14 years old when I first heard about his climb. From that moment on, I wanted his adventure to be my adventure. His adventure began the summer of 1957, when he and his two teammates dropped their gear at the base of El Cap like so many other climbers had before them. They carefully pieced together their route, zigzagging up yard by yard. They established camps in the sheer rock wall, they linked their camps with ropes fixed into the rock with pitons, hammering the four-inch-long metal spikes into the cracks, then returned back down to the valley floor. Progress was slow, too slow. After four laborious months, with the cold settling in and snowstorms approaching, the team was forced to halt the climb for the winter. El Cap was crushing them. The next summer, there was more disappointment. One of Harding's teammates fractured a leg. The other was discouraged and dropped out. It seemed that El Cap would defy another attempt. Harding, determined and fixed on the prize, found two new climbing partners and faced that stone once again. Months ticked by as the team continued to push upward, establishing a few dozen more feet of the route each day and then descending back down to the valley floor to rest. As fall approached, the fixed ropes began fraying. Weakened and unraveling after a year of use, the ropes would never last through another winter. If the team couldn't scale El Cap before the snows came, nearly 18 months of work would be lost. It was now or never for Harding. They loaded up their gear and took to the wall for one final try. With the weather turning and ropes weakening, they knew the odds were completely against them. The team moved quickly at the start of the climb. It was familiar. They had scaled it dozens of times in going up and down the wall, establishing the route. Then hope faded. An early winter storm settled into the valley, and they were forced to take shelter on a ledge and wait it out. Days went by. Cold rain pounded at the rock. The wind whipped at their backs. When the storm finally broke, 
The rhythm was shattered, their morale draining away, their pace slowed to just five feet an hour. A caterpillar could move faster. They faced a choice, push past the fatigue and go higher, or descend, pack up, forget about El Cap, get on with their lives. They decided to push on. November 12, 1958, nearly 500 days after Harding started to climb, he and his team hauled themselves over the lip of El Cap. They had done what no one had done before, what some people had considered utterly impossible. They had scaled 3,000 feet of sheer vertical granite. They'd started on a flat valley floor, propelled themselves directly up, straighter than a rocket, directly into the sky. They challenged nature and suffered a beating for it. Their hands were bloodied and calloused, bodies scarred, feet crushed and bruised, but the day was theirs. They waged war against gravity and against...